Welcome to Podvant Guard. I'm Andrea Gazetta. I'm Katrina Davis. And I am Jordan Lee Williams. And this week we're covering Anish Kapoor. Boo. Um, okay. <laughs> so heckling for those of you out that the don't, gate. <laughs> right? It's like heavy. So for those of you that have never heard of Anish Kapoor, he is a contemporary sculptor. He does a lot of site-specific installations and public works. He's most famous for The Bean in Chicago, um, which was originally titled Cloudgate, but it's just a giant reflective... It looks like a, just a lima bean yeah. or a butt squatting. <laughs> it's definitely kidney bean shaped. Yeah, it's like kidney bean shaped and it's stainless steel and it's completely reflective and you can sort of see the cityscape in it and see yourself as part of this cityscape when you approach it. Um, it's like cool. It's like cool, shiny public art or whatever. Um, but Anish Kapoor, I would say, is a complex and polarizing character in the art world. Uh, personally, I think he's made some cool stuff. I think he's made some stuff that is more pretentious than interesting. Some people see him as a villain. I think he's more of a philosophical soft boy. See, that is his role for me. Oh, see, I even, I even have to, I'm not going to disagree because I think that, you know, he's, he's very in the public art realm and there are specific rules that you follow when you are making public monument but anybody who is trying to gatekeep literal art supplies is somebody that i cannot accept okay i think here's the thing we'll get into what jordan is talking about if you don't know sort of his controversy um but i have complicated feelings about it but before we even get there because that's sort of where we're gonna end i'm gonna start with some of his early life yes um so sir anish kapoor was born on march 12th 1954 in mumbai india to an iraqi jewish mother and an indian punjabi hindu father I said Indian and Hindu, but it's like, okay, I think that's both true. Because India is the country and Hindu is the religion, but Punjabi is like a specific sect of Hinduism. Yeah. So that's why I was like, hold on, am I saying too many words? Um, his father was a hydrographer and an applied physicist who served in the Indian Navy. Um, and I suspect had sort of an influence on Kapoor's technical prowess in some of the his focus on materiality later in his work. Wait, um, what's a hydrographer? Water. Do they just like find out where water is? <laughs> uh, it, they essentially are like cartographers, but for water. So oh. they map like right. okay. the like how deep different waterways go. It's sort of like when you're. Um, when when you're driving a ship, when you're sailing a ship, so you know like uh, so his how father did a lot of waiting channel. Yeah, kind of. I mean, he you know you go you there's like a long stick and you like yeah like oh figure like Mark out Twain. how deep. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> so he's just like, how deep is this shit? I don't know. And then you figure it out. So. As a young boy, uh, Kapoor attended the prestigious Dune School, which is an all-boys boarding school in Dehradun, India. Okay, you it did was say ranked... Dune and not Doom? No, D-O-O-N. Okay. <laughs> I just, it's I like that sweet double... video game, Doom. 
He's actually Lex Luthor. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Wasn't that, am I thinking of the Hovercraft game? Wasn't that called Doom? I'm sorry, the Hovercraft guys, game? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Wasn't Are you talking about a Minecraft game? A Hovercraft no, is a board. Isn't it? No, no, no. Yeah, and and Doom is where you go and you fight aliens. Okay, I, I have th- it wrong. I think I we thought have that Doom. I thought. <laughs> I mean, I know, I know MF a lot Doom. about video games. <laughs> Dude, I mean, MF yes. Doom fucking rocks. That's that's the first Doom that comes to mind. <laughs> Every man I've ever dated is like, let me explain to you why MF Doom is really the best and the most awesome. And hey, wears a mask and it's like super. And it's like, okay, bro, chill. <laughs> like, it, I get it, but like, chill. Um, yeah, Dune School. Great beats um, though, R.I.P. Sorry, keep going. Oh my God, amazing. <laughs> One of my favorite albums, but like, I don't need the mansplaining about it. So... <laughs> Fun facts about the Dune School. It's actually ranked as the best all-boys school in India. It's a highly selective school, and it houses around 500 pupils ranging from ages 12 to 18. So basically, like, in America, our 7th to 12th grades. Um, And the school is so influential, it's fallen under scrutiny by the media for its impact in spheres of Indian politics, business, and culture. In fact, former Indian Prime Minister Rajiv Gandhi was criticized for, quote, his Dune cabinet after he appointed former classmates to almost all of his major cabinet posts. So it's like rich kid shit so you know yeah. what i mean like this, this is isn't like, like baby politics this sounds like he was reese witherspoon in that old um movie where she like ends up running for president or something oh uh is it fuck it's the horrible horrible film that's a romantic comedy but it shouldn't be right elected it's not elected it's something like that but she's like super driven and politically inclined but in high school <laughs> Yeah, it's I mean, it's definitely those vibes. And if the school system in India is really interesting, Um, I dated someone who went to an all boys school in India as well. So it's like a very specific like it's very STEM focused. The idea is that you're going to become sort of some type of like engineer or doctor or something of that nature. And Mm -hmm. so like there's also like a fraternal feeling because like your parents aren't there. So the people that you make at this time become sort of like lifelong friends and it has a lot of influence, which kind of makes sense. Mm. Um, so this sounds like 17, what people in America pay for when they talk about schools like this. Oh, absolutely. For you to like yeah, get a head start and be friends with these rich people forever and all that. <laughs> it's like those super prep schools where they're like, our babies are in diapers, but these are lifelong friendships. Exactly. Like, okay, dude, or like even like, being like the preschool that they get into now will d- dictate the elementary school that they get into. And then if they don't get into the right high school, they might as well be a stripper. Like that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's Which absolutely also, if you those do, vibes. You could go to all those schools and then also be a dancer. It's still fine. But you guys know what kind of person I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, my mom's only uh, only problem with me being a stripper is that she knows that I'd have to stay up like way past my bedtime. 
<laughs> also, that is the most motherly thing I've ever heard in terms of being in any kinds of sex work is being like, baby girl, you need too many snack breaks to be up there for those kind of shifts. Stop playing. No, that's exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Dude. I've been falling asleep at 9 p.m. every day. I would not make the fucking cut. Coming to There's the main no stage. Way. It's just Jordan pulling an apple slice from between her boobs. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was feeling a little peckish. I'm still wearing one of my many overall outfits. Oh, my goodness. If your first dance is not you slowly taking off overalls one strap at a time, what are we even doing? Oh my God, I want to see, like, not to objectify your body, Jordan, but like, I kind of want to see it. No, if Jordan wanted to do it and they were like, oh, have you not ever been somewhere else and seen Jumbo Shrimp? Like if your stage name was Jumbo Shrimp and people were just like, what are you talking about? Like, oh no, it's an experience and there's snacks. Like she spends an entire song taking her Doc Martens off. They'd have to fly you to Atlanta. <laughs> you do guest spots. I feel like the kind of clientele that this would attract is like a specific kind of clientele that also wants you to like kick them in the face or something. Yeah, you know, no, I like, do just get that like... request a lot. <laughs> Ooh, like, that's what it would be. be. Jordan curb stomped. Jordan would start unlacing them, and like three guys in the front row would be like, "No, no, 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 leave them on." <laughs> you're like taking overalls off over the doc martens yeah that's beautiful i love it okay so part, of, part of her scene is just hopping i really like when she hops around trying to get those overalls off from her underneath her shoes especially when you start to take the underwear off because it's all stretchy i get it i'll I, now i'm picturing it too much then, then like an apple slice falls out and, like, it's a whole thing. and then she just like gets a doc martin stuck in the panties farts and falls over like that <laughs> i mean that's basically what it looks Some like when dudes keith would approaches be into me that <laughs> money I'm just like, rains from the sky yeah, I'm just like, how do you find me attractive? I've been laying on the couch for 12 hours eating goldfish without my hands. Like, why are you coming near me? Oh, my gosh. So funny. Do you eat goldfish like you're bobbing for apples? Yeah, you don't? No, you just tilt the corner of the carton <laughs> the carton bag. They stick oh, to your tongue like popcorn. Okay, you're right. They yeah. do stick to your tongue like popcorn. <laughs> I love you guys. Oh, my God. Um, so anyway, about Anish Kapoor. Yeah, so oh. anyway, prep school. <laughs> uh, so when he was 17, uh, Kapoor moved to Israel with one of his brothers. He has two and lived on a kibbutz, which is a utopian Zionist commune where he performed agricultural tasks in exchange for education. So, so it's uh, a cult? We got to talk about this a little bit. What? It's a cult? Well, <laughs> it's why we have Palestinian genocide now. Ah. So kibbutz were all of these sort of Zionist communes. They essentially went into Palestine as large groups of people, settled areas that they weren't supposed to be in that belonged to Palestinians, and then defended those settlements with weapons. Uh... And that's why 
the state of Palestine is fractured and why the Palestinian people are being murdered all the time and treated as second-class citizens in the state of Israel. So he did that when he was 17, um, (laughs) which is like, okay, like you're a kid. You don't really know anything. I get it. Uh, yeah, because how studied- did, was this just like the next step after school? How did they get people into these things? Well, so basically when he was in India, I mean, he kind of talks about it in some of the interviews that I watched. And basically he was saying like when he was in India, he was like the Jewish kid, you know, mm. he because his mother was Jewish. He was like a little bit lighter skinned. He was like, you know, his mother and his father weren't super into their religions. I would say they were more like atheist leaning or secular leaning people um but it was a part of his heritage and the way that other people identified him so it became sort of part of his identity is this israeli like past or um i should say jewish past um and so israel wasn't formed until the oh god i want to say it was like 1949 the state of israel was started it was right after world war ii uh because palestine had allied itself with the axis forces they're like okay well you can have palestine and you guys can all just go live there and palestine was like what the fuck like this is <laughs> i was our, about to say in palestine like, i was like hey <laughs> yeah Pretty much. Palestine they're was like, like well, you when can your have... parents have company and they're they're like, oh, you can sleep in so-and-so's room. You're like, I don't even like this kid. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was this. It's honestly like a really racist thing that happened because the allied powers were like, well, we can't make Germany set aside land. You know, they're like, well, where can we send them? Where can we send all these Jewish peoples? And mm. They can just have their own state so that they won't get genocided again. I guess we'll give them Palestine. And Palestine was like, yo, what the fuck? Like, that's pretty fucked up. And they're like, whatever, you don't, what are you going to do? Fight us again? Like, mm-hmm. fucking take it. We don't care. Um, So unfortunately, like when that happened, the state of Israel was given like a small bit of land. And then these Jewish settlements, there was this sort of Zionist movement that was like, we got to get as many Jews as we can here. We have to like settle this land. We have to like create this large state of Israel so that we have our own place so that people can't genocide us. Mm -hmm. But in the process, they started subjugating. They essentially started like, an armed conflict with the people that already lived there, which is what grew into terrorist groups like Hamas and things like that. So all of these little types of settlements are sort of what got us into the problem where we're at now, which is where Palestinian children are being murdered in the streets by Israeli soldiers. It's real bad. Uh, And Anish Kapoor was part of that when he was 17. He wasn't murdering people. He was like farming and stuff, but Mm -hmm. he was part of those settlements. Um, So I wanted to find an interview where Kapoor was like spoke out about this and was like, wow, yeah, that was like a dumb thing I did when I was 17. Mm -hmm. We probably shouldn't be doing this to Palestinian kids like this is pretty fucked up. 
I didn't exactly find anything about that, but in 2017, Anish Kapoor did accept the $1 million Genesis Prize, which is a prize awarded by the Genesis Prize Foundation, the Office of the Israeli Prime Minister, and the Jewish Agency for Israel, and it recognizes individuals who have attained excellence and international renown in their fields and whose actions and achievements express a commitment to Jewish values, the Jewish community, and the state of Israel. Now, Kapoor chose to donate his money to Syrian refugees, which I think is pretty laudable. Um, He said, quote, I'm an artist, not a politician, and I feel I must speak out against indifference for the suffering of others. There are over 60 million refugees in the world today. Whatever the geography or displacement, the refugee crisis is here on our doorstep right now. Now, he came really close to calling Israel out and saying like, hey guys, your policies are bad for Palestinians. But he didn't mention the word Palestine in his speech. He did not raise attention to the plight of Palestinians in any form. Um, And he received a lot of criticism for this. Um, Mm. Some people said, like, I read this article from The Guardian that was sort of like um, like a response piece to this. And they brought up the point that, quote, Palestinians form one of the largest and most longstanding refugee populations on the planet, end quote. And so they kind of feel like he sugarcoated his speech and failed to hold Israeli leaders directly accountable for Palestinian genocide. Or himself. Or himself. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like he took the public monument approach. Where it's like, okay, this has to be sanitized and acceptable for as many people as possible. Like, that's what his speech sounds like, is him being like, I'm just going to kind of dance around the issue. Yeah, like I learned something messed up as a child and thought that I was doing this for a cause that I now see as not so much that or whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, so some critics are basically like, by taking this money, mm-hmm. even though you're giving it to Syrian refugees, like even though that's a good thing, you're what you're kind of doing is sort of absolving Israel of its complicitness by accepting that money in the first place and by not speaking out specifically about Palestinian genocide. You are creating good PR for Israel in a way that continues to sort of bury the plight of Palestinians and make Israel look good. And so people are like, you should have said something about this. Like you're saying you care about refugees and the people you took money from are creating so many refugees. You're saying you care about refugees, but that's all you're doing. You're just saying that you care about refugees. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I had a really long conversation with my boyfriend about this because he was like, he was like, yeah, but if someone offered you a million dollars and they said you could do whatever you want with it mm-hmm. and you were like, well, I want to give this money to poor people in America mm-hmm. and the American government was giving you that money, like, would you still take that money? Mm. You know what I mean? Like the idea is like, well, you can do good with this money. So would you take it to do that? Even though it's going to make the American government be like, I did a good thing when it's kind of their fault that these people are suffering in the first place. Right. It's complicated. I can see taking the money, but also being like, okay, but I'm also going to tell them 
how I feel about my time in the program or whatever that is and actually say that like you were saying Andrea that some things need to be reformed and like do you still want me to take your money then yeah it's I'm yeah because having that platform for people that already support it even those are the people that you would want to listen to that if we were doing like you're saying even in that analogy if there was something American that way and you took some money like that to say thank you but everyone is watching this thank you and watching clips of it on social media and you actually said in that thank you like you know what I'm glad you know that I'm getting recognized for whatever good efforts but Honestly, the program I was in was kind of fucked up and shouldn't really be happening anymore. That would really, you know, even as an artist, probably be something that I wouldn't even think about the money or what you did with it afterwards. And then giving it to Syrian refugees would be icing. But it would be like, yeah, you still acknowledged whatever role that you've played in it in the past. It is like Jordan said, kind of just like glossing over your like personal (laughs) effects and being like, you know, we all know this is, you know, like who is going to who's going to disagree with you making that comment about refugees? How can you, you know, (laughs) even taking it a step further, like Andrea, you said you found no nowhere where he talks about his time in this program in any kind of negative way. So there's, if that's the case, then there's a case that he doesn't see anything wrong with it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. It's super complicated. And I, I think that the story of like Israel and Jewish history is very complicated because in so many ways they have been historically oppressed. Yes. And now they're in this position of oppressing others. And so, like, it's such a complicated place to be. And I think that he is sort of towing this line, but not really being like, hey, guys, this is fucked up. Mm -hmm. You know, like, he's sort of tiptoeing around it. And that's sort of why I call him a soft boy. Because he reminds me of, like, dudes on dating apps who are like, yeah, like really, I'm like super for women's rights and like whatever. And I'm super for this. And I think, you know, it's like your body, your choice or whatever. But then they'll do shitty things to you in like a soft boy way, you know? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Where it's like, well, your friend's a rapist. Are you going to stop hanging out with him? They're like, yeah, but he's like a bro. You know, like that's the kind of soft boy shit vibes that Anish Kapoor gives off, except with like genocide. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like a weak <laughs> diplomatics. Yeah. Is diplomatics <laughs> just <a word>? like <laughs> I mean kind of. It's it's like this very like liberal thing of just like, yeah, I like want to do the right thing until I have to look people in the eyes and tell them that they did a bad job. And I was hold about them to say until you actually have to do it. You don't want to do the right thing. You like the way you feel saying that you will do the right thing, but the actual action that causes any kind of discomfort is not, you don't like doing the right thing. You like being liked. Yes. And those are very often not the same thing. <laughs> that That's just a brilliant way to put that. Absolutely. I, I think that's, you hit the nail on the head 100%. Cause, Cause like, I think that is the soft boy mentality of like, I don't want you to be mad. I just want everyone to be okay with me. And my decisions, yes. whether or not they're good. I don't want to hear about them if they're good. That would hurt my feelings. 
oh my god I don't care if I'm cheating on you I will continue to gaslight you about it. yeah it's that kind of vibes we've all been with those people <laughs> um I mean he, okay here's the thing at the end of the day Anish Kapoor I think is in many ways a very privileged person who has a lot of money and who is happy the, to do the right thing as long as it doesn't conflict with his own comfort in any way mm-hmm I watched an interview with him from June 2020, which is like, you know, when we were like, this has got to be the end of the pandemic. And then things were just getting worse. I was uh, thinking June. OK, summer. I had to like put myself in a place when you said that. It was it's three <laughs> months into the pandemic. So you're like, this can't be that much longer. They'll figure something out. Like, they and it was just weeks. like, yeah. <laughs> and like I I had my mental breakdown, I would say, in July. So like it. it Eh, you're still like it's kind of rough and he's talking about during this interview he's like yeah just some like you know I'm just like in my studio making some paintings or whatever and my wife and my kid are here and you know I'm not really reading the news I just like don't really want to deal with any of it and it's like wow what a beautiful privileged place to be my dude <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I think he's just kind of out of touch um so Back to education. Uh, in college, Kapoor initially studied electrical engineering, but quit after six months due to his troubles with math. Okay. Um, Relatable. Which is kind of hilarious because <laughs> electrical, electrical engineering is mostly math. So if you don't like math, not the place for you, buddy. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> yes. But he says he always knew he wanted to be an artist, but he tried his hand at engineering to alleviate pressures from his parents. Again, you're coming from this traditional Indian background of like, I want my kids to be in STEM. That's where the money is. That's what you should be doing. That's, That's where, where he was sent to go, school so. for. Yeah, exactly. exactly. They've invested in him at this point to do that. <laughs> yeah. And it. I don't know if Anish Kapoor is the oldest son. I read that he has two brothers um, mm -hmm. and I know one brother is younger. So he's either the middle child or the eldest child. I'm not sure. But in Indian culture, it is expected that parents will live with the eldest son even after he's married. So the idea is that like you live with your son after like you retire and stuff yeah and so they are literally investing in their own retirement by making their kids get a good job Very, um, yeah that makes sense so it makes sense why he would have some pressure about that um so in 1973, Kapoor left Israel to attend the Hornsey College of Art and the Chelsea School of Art and Design in Britain and he talks about his time there as being really wild and beautiful. Uh, Maria Abramovic came and just gave a lecture there. He was kind of talking about, you know, this is the early 70s. It's right after the hippie movement. So it's a lot of like artists are artists and we just follow our own dreams and stuff like that. He in this interview I watched, he actually talks about he's like, yeah, this is before you had to like write a bunch of essays and stuff to be an artist. And I'm like, well, <laughs> Okay, bro. <laughs> it's kind of funny. And when he graduated art school in 1978, he sought a teaching position. So he said about that time, he was like, there were only like 10 artists in Britain actually living off their work and everyone else taught. So mm. right after graduation, Kapoor taught two days a week at Wolverhampton Polytechnic. 
he paid five pounds a month to rent a studio space. Jesus. And I what know, is, right? What is that uh, for us? What does oh, that equate to? I don't even know. What year was this? Like I've been having... $10. Yeah. 1980. Okay, so I'm going to do the inflation calculator. I got a book for Christmas, uh, a Sears catalog where you could order a house in 1926. And Tom and I went through <laughs> it and both just got increasingly despondent and depressed because we were like, oh, this seven bedroom house with two bathrooms and a wraparound porch by today's money would have cost $42,000. And then we both oh just were like, goodness. I don't want to look at this book anymore. I <laughs> yeah. hate this book. Well, Let's burn it. <laughs> I was so In fairness, sad. you would have had to put it together yourself. But still, yeah, fuck that. You hire. So OK, so that's $33.73. Fucker what right and also (laughs) even if he still had to rent a different space he probably he lived in the studio too i don't know no it's just an art studio i think from the way he talked about it it sounded like it was a separate art space okay but yeah if i try to rent a studio in los angeles a cheap one is six hundred dollars a month and that's a fucking basement like there's Mm -hmm. no window so it's like what the fuck it's another rent so that's why i make art in my apartment yeah who can who I don't know that many people, even people that have nice, beautiful ones still live in them. People can't afford two rents out here. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Here. I have a desk in the corner of our living room. Like, that's where I do my stuff. <laughs> I know some artists who share. So they they rent like a warehouse space and like four or five people share like a large warehouse space. But oh, it's yeah. still like. Their rent is still four to five hundred dollars a month. It's it's crazy. So soon after graduating, Kapoor, this episode has a lot of fart content. <laughs> People have to know, okay? This is a gassy episode. <laughs> the best part is I'm sitting here drawing because I can't look at you guys. So my brain is like, okay, but we got to do something with our hands. So I've been drawing on my tattoos for the last thirty minutes. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you were drawing farts, so you're doing great. (laughs) You know, I'm just over here drawing farts and little gas clouds and (laughs) and I'm drawing on myself like I'm 13. This is just a lot. Hell yeah, dude. You got to like wrap some poetry into those tattoos. I wrote poetry on my hands like a fucking asshole. I I competed in in slam poetry (laughs) in middle school. I would... I would give you all of the money in my savings account right now for a video of Jordan doing slam poetry. <laughs> oh, With my shaved my head and my fucking. Yes. Yeah. No. Also, was... I want to see your little shaved head, Jordan. Oh, That's man. So cute. You know oh, what? I'm actually. Oh, I don't have my phone on me. I'll send you guys a picture to the group chat of when I had yes. a mohawk and welding goggles. I want. Beautiful. Angsty Jordan. Give oh, it to yeah. me. I love it. I'm here for it. Well, you were like, you sound like some type of post apocalyptic character, Jordan. I well, I wanted to be Tank Girl. That was all I ever wanted to oh, be. Oh, that makes sense. My entire life is Tank Girl. <laughs> I totally get that. <laughs> yeah, I love that for you, honestly. I love it. So Anish Kapoor. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Uh, We're going to let you get to Anish Kapoor. (laughs) 
it's okay he's he kind of sucks and i kind of yada 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 through a lot of this because i'm like whatever um so soon after graduating kapoor returned to india and he's realized that being indian was a part of his identity that he wanted to be a part of his work and this is when he started making his first pigment pile pieces which i'm going to show you a photo yeah, because the oh, bean yeah. is really the only one that I know of his, so I haven't seen. I didn't know that he painted. I thought he just well did he big sculptures. Really paint. So here you go. I like um. Ooh, because I do like that bean. I like how smooth it is. I've never seen it in real life, but I'm into it. <laughs> Katrina, I love you so much. <laughs> what? I just really it's... liked how you said that. I like how smooth that bean is. It is. If you, it looks like I'm sure it is cold, but you know what I mean. It looks like it's like Alex Mackish or like the Terminator. If the Terminator was good, oh yeah, you would be like in a nice like smooth blob like that, like zero G Terminator. Oh my God! Yeah, if the Terminator was Flubber, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I like these two, though. Uh, I've never seen them. What are these? Can you explain this? So, yes. So, in India, are you guys familiar with Holi? Like, the Holi festival? Oh, yes. Holi is the festival of lights. Holi is the color festival. Okay. Um, So, Holi is basically, it's a festival in India where you, like, spray these powdered pigments onto people and now That's it's like people I've wear seen. wear white shirts and yes. they'll throw pigment at you and then it looks like tie-dyed after and it gets all over your face and stuff it's yes. sort of this ritual celebration of spring um but the hindu religion uses pigment like a powdered pigment in everyday ritual as well so if you put um a lot of times, if you're someone who's very devout, you might put a red mark on your forehead when you pray in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might put it on your hands uh, when you get married, things like that as part of like, um, what's it called? Like henna. You'll use like the red henna. Okay. So there's this there's this sense of like color being, color and dye being a part of ritual. And so these forms are actually made out of, he uses a wide variety of materials. He uses plaster, wood, and polystyrene, which is what like styrofoam cups are made out of. And he sculpts these forms. And then he sort of like dips them in glue and then puts like, like flicks powder onto them, almost like you're putting glitter onto something okay. so that they have this matte texture so that you're not seeing like the shininess of the glue. Um, and he calls these, oh my God, here's a quote about his pigment pieces. Um, while making the pigment pieces, it occurred to me that they all form themselves out of each other. So I decided to give them a generic title, a thousand names, implying infinity, a thousand being a symbolic number. This is how this guy fucking talks all the time. He's so fucking annoying. Did you guys see Candyman? Yes. No, I don't know what that is. The okay. new one. The, the new one. one. Yeah. No. Okay. Uh, Andrea, you should watch it. It's it's phenomenal. Like everybody should watch it. It's really good. I have some problems with it. Uh, the okay. I just, it's, anyway. There are so many because it follows an artist. And first of all, okay, you know what? No, I am Ooh. getting into it. 
Uh, I hate how the narrative is always <laughs> oh, that artists aren't good until they go crazy. I fucking cannot stand this narrative. Um, and it's just, it's like, oh yeah, his work is not taken seriously and he's not a real artist until he fucking loses his mind. Mm. Anyway, uh, but it's, everybody talks like that in the movie and it's so funny because Keith asked me, he's like, do do your friends talk like that? Like, is that how people who do art talk? And I was like, no, no one talks Not the like cool that. Ones. We're people. <laughs> they make oh it God. like he's the one artist that isn't like that. Like yeah. he's the one person that like cusses or gets drunk at <laughs> openings. Like that isn't the point of every opening or yeah. you know what I mean? like, Oh they my god! It, like everyone is super prim and proper, and he's the one. And the only thing I'll say that almost saves it is that he did do one piece like that before that everyone loved. That he was sane when he was sane, and that's like he's in the middle of this slump where he's trying to not just do the one thing that they like from him. Yeah, but you're right, is Jordan. that the concept of Candyman? No, no, not like all of them. No, no, no. This okay. one. But it is also now we're going to have to put a spoiler for Candyman on this episode. Like hard left. <laughs> um, I'm joking. But uh, I do. I I thought that they were trying to kind of poke fun at that, Jordan. They were. Because of the lady that they talked to and him kind of calling people out on it. But you're right. Yes. No, they were. They just it was such a clumsy way of and they would have bought it back if it hadn't been that he's this washed up artist who again doesn't get a good idea until until he's full-blown psychotic like that is the idea Mm -hmm. is that he's only a good artist and the fucked up thing was and keith was like keith kind of side-eyed me in the theater because they show the paintings that he makes after he's full-blown psychotic and it looks like my sketchbook (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean they definitely look like someone spiraling oh, that's pretty great which like is what most of my work looks like i just yeah so i don't know i just people people don't talk like this and the fact that anish kapoor does is so funny whatever oh, here's the thing what i was gonna ask about the pigments is so that's not all solid what it what we're looking at pigment wise that's not like an actual pile of solid pigment is it no it's not it's right. so there's like a sculptural form underneath and then it's covered in the pigment but he adds sort of like the pigment to the bottom so that it looks like it's a pile that he uh, created got it got it got it yeah. got it um but what i do think is interesting based sort of like on the conversation you're having about around Candyman, is if you can right now go to www.anishkapoor.com and just look at his fucking website. Also, I love that you gave us the www. I know. (laughs) You know, Google doesn't even have it. Google Uh, does not even put www. What is this? So, and then go to the top left where you can like just hover over like about or hover over whatever his the fucking thought experiment like click on it fuck it is the most horribly designed website it's just this giant brick wall of gray text on a white background (laughs) it's organized only by commas at the top left there are five categories there's works thought experiment links about and search and if you click one of 
the different categories everything that's in that category lights up so instead of you like click on it and it goes to a different page or you click on it and a, like a pull menu oh comes down and you can select an option God. something that wall of text gets highlighted in that color and it's fucking it a nightmare keeps, to navigate it keeps going i you can't find it how do you navigate this I yes. was just about to say, here's the thing is I thought it was like one main page and I was like, I understand you thinking this is pretentious, but I don't totally hate it. But it scrolls for so long <laughs> that this is definitely it's like an Tumblr. experiment. If you scroll it's down, if you Tumblr. click thought experiment and scroll to the bottom, it's just us doing this because this is a thought experiment. <laughs> <laughs> It's really annoying. And it's not organized by like, it's not Anything. like press or like here's articles or it's not organized even by like project. It's just completely fucking random. Like some of this is just like shit he thought. Some of it is stuff other people wrote. It's really difficult to find. So I wound up using Google to find my own articles about specific topics because it's just what the fuck, Anish? Like what even is this shit? And I would say that the way he speaks about his work is really frustrating um, because at the end of the day, I think Anish Kapoor just likes to make cool shit, but mm. he can talk about it for fucking ever. And that's what's <laughs> really annoying. About I mean, that's what you learn in art school. I mean, kind of. <laughs> well, I so would think arts prep school foundation with art school on top is like yeah he's gonna have a bunch of words that aren't necessary absolutely well so if you in in many of the interviews i watched when you ask anish kapoor what is your work about he says and i quote i have nothing to say end quote His work is not about anything. Here's something else he said. I like to say that artists don't make objects. They make mythological propositions which happen to take the form of objects. <laughs> a mythological proposition is like if someone tried to sell you a centaur. <laughs> yes. Like what is a like, mythological what the fuck proposition? Are you like, okay, the way that Kapoor talks about his work, he says that he's drawn to Buddhist philosophy, especially okay. this concept of the death of the ego, okay. which he loosely ties to his artistic approach, saying that he doesn't really create works with intention, but uses different materials to play in a childlike way, leaving himself open to the possibility of creating something beautiful by stumbling upon it intuitively. So okay. he really just says, I mean, also, like to he's me, describing like, every rich kid artist is like, yeah, I've just had yes. the freedom to not even give a shit about <laughs> what I make at all. I'm just <laughs> fucking around up here. I don't know what this is. There's a cube on my phone screen right now that looks like there's a clit on the side. Like he doesn't know <laughs> what he's doing. Like, <laughs> Oh, Katrina, did you find his sculpture? Yes. Are you not going to talk about the cube? click because i have questions i'm absolutely gonna talk about <laughs> here's the thing you. it was a side note it was a fucking i i didn't even do the research about it i just found it like what the fuck <laughs> but yeah let's talk about as long as we're on it let's show it to jordan real quick yeah show just me because a piece. it's like how is this not the most second fame most famous thing how do we not know like he did a bean and then he did the bean <laughs> like, so what 
This Jordan. is oh, a piece, no. Jordan. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Oh, I hate Look that. straight up. Oh straight my god. Up. Talk about fucking this is okay, the soft boy thing absolutely works because this this just looks like it says so like I don't really it's understand just a what public monument is, but I think that women are closed off and cold. Yeah. So <laughs> here I'm going to share this other screen. This is the side of it, oh, which I think will so give you sad. an idea sort of of like <laughs> So now what? it's just a butthole intersecting okay. with a vagina. But one Here, side of the for... cube looks like something that you would play in, in like the mosh part, like the kids part of mosh. Of a bouncy castle. Like, or yeah. learn about sound and like yell in this tunnel yeah. and have your friends stand on the other side. Like it almost looks like that kind of thing. And then the other side is just robo clit. <laughs> Basically. So... For listeners, it is a giant cube. If someone was standing next to it, I would say it's like it's twenty big. feet tall, maybe. Yeah. It's like two in that two to three it's stories like tall, maybe. Outside on a lawn. Yep, it's outside on a lawn. It's enormous. It's very big. Next um, to public and when you restrooms? look at it straight on. <laughs> Do we think that that is a building of public restrooms? I mean, it doesn't not look. Oh like my that. god, it, it like could that be or a shipping container home, which I'm interested in. <laughs> it. It could easily be both. But when you look at it, it's essentially like a slit right in the middle, fully looks like a vag. So Don't the outside slit, of the cube is Andrea. black. <laughs> it's a slit. That's what it is. It's a vertical hole. That's You're what right. it fucking It's a slit. Uh, and then, so it's like the outside is black, but then the inside the slit is red. And then it's almost like pinned like it's some type yeah. of like frog in an anatomy class Ugh. that you're dissecting yeah. it looks like an old timey thing that they would use to catch a trapeze artist yes <laughs> uh and it's called flesh no oh it is not called that it's called flesh gross it's called flesh oh and then inside um for everyone listening inside the red tent dissection pin part is just a nice little spherical silver ball that could represent you know whatever you may interpret that to be it's yeah, it's, really, like it's, it's actually really kinda... a hole is it so a it's hole? actually a hole through the other side oh. yeah so it's actually light coming through but okay. it looks like a clit it, it looks yes. like a clit in the middle of a vagina yeah exactly it looks what like it looks the like. little man in the canoe <laughs> yes Yes, it does. I'm so glad of, we talked about it, guys. I think of Kurt Braunholer's joke where he can't go kayaking alone because he just looks like <laughs> a big old clit going down the river trying to have fun with families. The best. <laughs> oh, I love Kurt Braunholer. He's so sweet. Oh, my God. Yeah, so... <laughs> yeah. I like that we all simultaneously were like, fuck Anish Kapoor. <laughs> Yeah, he kind of he kind of sucks a little bit. Well, so, I'm just waiting for the substance that's going to make me kind of like him. I know you keep saying yeah. that you're going to turn you're going to change my mind, but all I'm all I'm hearing is that everybody's getting culture hustle gifts for next Christmas. <laughs> here's okay, here's the thing. I don't hate Anish Kapoor. I don't like hate him. Mm. I just think he's kind of a dumb soft boy. Like I don't think he's an evil villain to the level of Frank Lloyd Wright. Like I would reserve my hate meter for like Frank Lloyd Wright was fully a fucking villain. He was a bad person. I think Anish Kapoor is just like soft and he has soft hands 
and he just wants a soft life. Like that's where he's at. <laughs> that that's makes f- sense. We should we should work on that. We should work on an artist hate spectrum. Where it's like right now FLW is at like the far end and Misha's like slightly acidic but like almost neutral (laughs) like will work right and then you know people like uh Yoyo Kasama she's like sainted because she's just she hasn't done anything bad to anyone no she's she's just just a wonderful woman (laughs) she's just a sweet old lady she's our extreme Um, base right now She's the other side of the spectrum. It's like Yayoi on one side and Frank Lloyd Wright on the other. Absolutely. I, See, and that's okay, the thing, so, though, is Anish Kapoor and artists like him give contemporary art such a bad fucking name. But somebody like Yayoi, yeah. it's like, no, this is this is what it is. It's it's you are letting somebody into your inner brain and you are creating an experience. And contemporary art is supposed to be an experience. I think that Kapoor's work can be experiential. I think sometimes they hit, sometimes they miss. Mm. Um Vag flesh, not so much for me. That's a miss. Uh, that's a miss for me, dog. Um, but we will get into. I I do mention there's one piece I found that I'm like, okay, this is pretty fucking cool. Like, okay, this could do it for me. Um, but in 1980, uh, Kapoor says about his pigment pieces that he suddenly got noticed. It just happened, and the pigment pieces are what propel him into the spotlight to sort of like begin his fame. Mm. Uh, it sounds like he just got a lot of money from the beginning because you're not making giant cubed vaginas if you don't have a solid budget. Yeah. You know, his work, his work is something that like, I went to school for sculpture. I stopped making sculptures because I do not have the financial resources to make life-size sculptures, store those sculptures, buy the materials. Like it is a prohibitively expensive art form. Yeah. Yeah. So he's working with a cushion. I'm constantly thinking about that yeah. at galleries when I'll be like, okay, one, how did they get this in here? Like you guys must have like, I don't know, some giant basement garage or a freight elevator that you open at night. But then I'll be like, where did this person house this? Do they have an airplane hanger? Like where <laughs> do you put like Kuntz's in betweens, like in interim, right. like these giant pieces? Absolutely. And it, it's something that is so much built out of ca- like thinking about work, like the ways that institutions choose who and what to fund is kind of bizarre to me sometimes mm. because what I pay, what is probably millions of dollars to have a giant vagina on my lawn? Probably not. Like, is this work benefiting society? I don't know. Uh, um, I also I, in the eighties and nineties like is oh sorry go Jordan oh no go ahead Katrina I was or I Jordan. just feel like uh, that is the thing that if you see something like you said he definitely has made things that look cool like I'm looking at stuff and being like yeah that looks cool but the added thing for me at least sometimes for art is when you read it and realize what that big thing that looks cool means. Yeah. And if I looked and it was just like, Oh, this person just thought it looked cool. I'd be like, Oh, okay. I agree. And, but that's where this ends now. (laughs) It's not that this meant anything significant to you possibly, you know? Well, so he does think that in the, in the eighties and nineties, he starts working larger, you know? So the pigment pieces 
were sort of his arte pavera. They were his like low cost elements. But as he gets more fame and notoriety for them, he starts to work bigger in things like the vagina cube. Um, He starts making work out of concrete, limestone, marble, plaster, and all of these focus on the... (laughs) They're explorations of matter and non-matter, and especially on the concept of the void. So the void is something that is really important to him. He's always interested in like the darkness or the non-being. And I would say his vagina sculpture is probably to him an exploration of the void. When I read about his work, they say that it's about he he's creating these dualities. So he's working with earth, sky, matter, spirit, lightness, darkness, visible, invisible, male, female, mind, body. So it's always this like sense of duality or the sense of play, which I would say vagina cube is probably male, female play. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Which, like, I don't know, the idea of the vagina as a void, as a vagina haver, is just so fucking frustrating. (laughs) Because it's like, oh, good, I'm just getting fucking Tinder messages through my art history textbook. This is great. (laughs) I mean, kind of. Ah. I did have someone pick me up with, I'd like to explore your limitless void one time, so... That's fun. <laughs> and it's like, honestly, she has limits. Let's not yeah. get cocky here. Yeah. But so also, there's one piece I want to talk about. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jordan. I'm so sorry. I just, the, the, cause we, we just talked about Yayoi Kusama and her idea of self obliteration. And so it's just like, it's mm. so interesting to see two people who have had vastly different life experiences kind of explore almost similar ideas and I just I know that this is not the correct impulse but Anish Kapoor is wrong (laughs) (laughs) wrong wait what is he wrong about wrong in his interpretation your interpretation of your feelings is off I I mean his approach he's wrong (laughs) you're wrong incorrect (laughs) I mean I I don't love like there there's only one piece I've seen of his of all the pieces I've seen that I'm like okay that's tight okay and I've, I looked at a lot of his work um this is a piece that I do want to talk about though because it's very funny <laughs> and this piece is called Descent into Limbo 1992 so again this is uh in the Cerevales Museum um And it basically looks like a giant mausoleum. It's a room out on a lawn made out of, it looks like white marble. And you go into that room. This is what it looks like on the inside. The void. It's basically just a room. (laughs) Yeah, there's a void. (laughs) It's basically a room with a hole in it. And there's a dude standing. He's looking at it. It's literally a room with a hole in it. That is... That Wait, is, is the like dude always there, or is that an actual person watching it? That's an actual person. That's okay. just the person at at the installation. Gotcha. But fun fact: in 2018, a visitor to the installation in Portugal had to be hospitalized after falling into the hole. <laughs> oh my gosh! No. <laughs> oh so it really is a hole. Kind of hilarious. Also, did the person fall in because they thought it was part of the painting, and we're like, "What?" Because that would also be great. Like a Looney Tunes character. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Well, 
that is the thing is so like it i think what the way that he made it is he actually put like some type of fabric over the top so it looked like a painted surface but mm -hmm. the inside was also black so it like you could sort of like Oh it actually God. was a hole. I'm not Why sure how he did it, but I think <laughs> I don't know. But also, so would... there's like <laughs> you either make something look like a hole or make a real hole. You don't make a real hole and then cover it up and be like, oh wow, someone fell in the hole. <laughs> I think here's the thing. There's like there's caution tape. There are signs. <laughs> there are staff present. Like there is every precaution taken present. so people don't fall in this fucking hole. And this dude still was like, I should step into this hole. That's so, funny. so it's kind of hilarious. Um, this is, this is one more thing. I just love quoting Kapoor. Cause I think it's ridiculous. This is what he says about his work. Quote in the end, I'm talking about myself. And thinking about making nothing, which I see as a void. But then that's something, even though it's really nothing. <laughs> he re he reminds me, <laughs> who is that famous um, poet that people will put her poems up on Instagram? Ruby Kapoor. Is Ruby Kaur? Yes. Or not and Ruby. I, well, <laughs> She's I, not also a Kapoor. It's Ruby Kaur. <laughs> K-A-U-R, Ruby Carr, Cower? But yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. It kind of reminds me of some of those. Is that bad? It kind of is. It's like, and then I was the leaf. Okay, bitch. What? what the you fuck? didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> what just happened yeah. to me? Why is everyone snapping? <laughs> So we're going to yada, yada, yada through the rest of this stuff. Like he, in 1995, <laughs> the rest of his life? kind of, because it's we're at an hour and it's not super interesting. And I want to get to the drama. So like <laughs> around 1995, he starts incorporating polished stainless steel into his work. It becomes this mirror like surface. It becomes things like the bean. He says that this is sort of an exploration of in-between spaces and distortion. They all look like fucking funhouse mirrors. He's making giant, large-scale funhouse mirrors for public spaces. That's what he's doing. Okay. Um, I will say, in 2011, he did cancel a show that was supposed to open in China in order to protest the continued incarceration of artist AYY, who was, or sorry, um, Ai Weiwei, yeah who was arrested for speaking out against the Chinese government. So he did say no to work to stand up for his homie. So that's nice. kind of cool. Ai Weiwei um, is better than Anish Kapoor will ever be. Conceptually, artistically. Tell him. Jesus. Ah. I'm sorry, we're talking about so many better artists than Anish Kapoor. Jordan, that was so guttural. That was like Jordan getting sent to her room. I've never heard her sound so mad. Yeah, just so angry. I love it, honestly. And we honestly, haven't even said, I, I feel like we've said more substance about other artists that did not make you this angry. I think it's just sort of his like soft boy, like I'm saying nothing about nothing. Is it that I he's not that bringing enough to the table? That's yeah. so frustrating. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely yeah. that. It's it's like he 
you know what it is? It's like he watched other better artists do things and was like, oh, they're smart. I think that I should figure out a way to talk about their work. Like, it's so frustrating. Yeah. Wait, that looks I like mean, a donut, though. Is that like cotton candy? <laughs> it looks like a cotton candy donut. <laughs> this is a piece. This is called Dissension. And it's essentially just a functioning whirlpool that he created as part of the 2014 Kochi Muziris Biennale um, in India. Oh. It's just this is the one that I was like, this is kind of cool. Like if I saw this in an art museum, because he installs versions of this in galleries, mm -hmm. which is kind of cool and probably really fucked up the gallery. So like, yeah, <laughs> but again, kind of sweet. This could also be in Mosh. Like he just does, he can just do installations and people just make them teaching tools. The, like, yeah. Kind of... What did he say? No, this about could this definitely one. be at the science school. Oh my it looks god! Like I, I you honestly throw pennies in. Did you not look it up because you didn't want to not like it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, here's the thing. <laughs> he has said so many nothings about nothing that I'm like. It's the same shit every time. Like, no matter what I find about him talking about his work, he's like, it's kind of about nothing, but it's about something. But that's nothing. Like, psh, uh, eh, whatever. This looks cool. I'll take it. It's fine. It's There's like a steel cage around it. Like, you're looking at an animal in the zoo, but the animal in the zoo is just a whirlpool. And hopefully no one will fall into this. Um, <laughs> yeah, which this is technically just the top half of one of my science projects in, like, third grade. But Oh, my God, you guys, it has the... I think it's cool. This is... <laughs> it has the little... Like, where you put two cheerleaders and you put the washer in between? <laughs> oh, no, I was going to say it's got the little, like... When you buy a bucket from Home Depot and it has the, the don't put mm -hmm. a baby in this bucket, please notice on it. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, what aisle do you keep the baby buckets in? <laughs> Any bucket is a baby bucket if you watch them while they're in the bucket. I'm just saying. That's so Jordan. funny. <laughs> Jordan. No, Wait, we that's can't. How I know we can't on this podcast. Were, we never had. Cribs. That's how I know we, me and Jordan were raised similar. It's yeah. like if you get hurt, someone just gets blamed for not watching you hard enough. Exactly. Like oh my God. I, for my entire infancy, was kept in the bottom drawer of a dresser, and it only fell on me twice. <laughs> Jordan. <laughs> Every time, every time you pull out a story, I'm like, is this a cartoon character from 1850 who will also work in a coal mine? It wouldn't like, what? be that weird if Jordan was sharing stories from her coming up in the Dust Bowl. But since we're the same age, it is a little weird. You know, spiritually, I think my family never left the Dust Bowl. <laughs> she's got overalls she's got trauma she's got dressers falling on her dust bowl jordan if you were an american girl doll you would be the dust bowl girl <laughs> oh my goodness so funny i would come with a single potato <laughs> that's your and a removable tooth <laughs> it's like oh what's her God. furniture one dresser <laughs> <laughs> all the one other american girls dresser. have a whole bedroom not this one. Oh my one god <sighs> okay so 
That's the cool thing I think Anish Kapoor did. He made a whirlpool. I think it's sweet. I think it would be fun to swim in. I think it's cool. That's pretty much it. He's done so many things. He got knighted. I'm not even going to cover it. He <laughs> built a sculpture. When you said, sir. I know. He gets knighted eventually. It's not that interesting. Anyone can get a sword thrown on, the, on their shoulder. It's fine. He did make a sculpture called Orbit in London's Olympic Park uh, in 2012, and that still exists. It pretty much just looks like the Space Needle, but with a roller coaster attached to it. What? Um, Ooh, wait, did he make the roller coaster? No, it's it's not an actual roller coaster. It looks oh. like like roller coaster scaffolding, if that makes sense. It's oh. not functioning. If it was functioning, sense. that'd be cool as shit. Yeah, I thought you meant that he built a roller coaster. <laughs> Yeah, he would have been upped a little bit clo closer to Elton John in my rank of people being knighted right now if it was a functioning roller coaster. But this, he's, this is it. Oh, what the what? It's fucking Dude, stupid. Looks like Venom. But also, it's so stupid. I was just about to say that looks like something happened to something else. It's the Venom version of the Seattle Space Needle. That's what it is. First off, that's not Venom because it's red. Everyone knows that those are the mean symbiotes. But Sorry to anyway, fuck up oh, my, my Venom lore. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I stand Venom. Um, this is not what I... I mean, this is like uh, somewhat chaotic looking. Yeah. Is it's, it supposed I mean, again, to stress just... you out? <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I just. Like if that was outside of my window, I would wake up and be like, oh no, something is attacking the city. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what it looks like. This is terrifying. That's exactly what it looks like. Oh, my God. Yeah. It looks like it's Tony Stark's building in the middle of every Avengers movie. Like when <laughs> shit's going down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not good. It's But fine. it's big and it's red and that's all you need with it's public monument. very big. And he got paid, I'm assuming, millions of dollars to make it. So... Let's get to the drama, because this is what we're really here for, okay? Uh, in 2014, this is my favorite part. Ugh. In 2014, UK nanotech company Surrey Nanosystems created a material known as Vanta Black, or the blackest black in the universe, apart from a black hole. It absorbs 99.965% of light. The material is made of carbon nanotubes, which are grown on other materials like a field of carbon grass. Huh. Ben Jensen, the company's chief technical officer, explained just how small it is, saying, quote, take one of the hairs on your head, split that hair 10,000 times, and one of the strands that you take away is the size of the tubes that we grow. What? In the yeah. So I they're like these really microscopic... The tubes are the color? The tubes. So what they are is, um, do you ever read when you were a kid that like polar bear hairs are clear tubes? Oh, that uh -huh. polar bears, and that their skin underneath is whatever. And that their skin is black. And so yes. the tube actually collects light and bounces it into the yes. skin so that they can be warm. Right. That's kind of what these nanotubes do, but backwards. So basically the nanotubes are black and they absorb light. So like no light can get out of it. It creates like a surface texture. So the biggest issue with black is 
in order for black to be black, it oftentimes has to have like a gloss, which creates a reflective mm-hmm. surface. Right. For it to like appear black. Yeah. But then that gloss creates a shine. So you see that it's an actual object. So with these nanotubes, because it's like this matte texture, but it's like super black and it's actually absorbing the light, it means that it appears fully like it looks two dimensional. If you painted a three dimensional object with a Vanta black, it looks 2D because it's so black. You there's no reflective light to show um, dimension or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. It's. <laughs> Because I remember like, seeing video of this and I couldn't stop looking at it. Like my eyes couldn't adjust to the lack of light, I guess. I was just like, this yeah, is the blackest yes. thing I've ever seen. It was crazy looking. No, it looks baffling. It is the visual. You ever hear about those like soundproof rooms where if people go in them for too long, they go crazy? Yes. yes. I think Vanta Black is the visual version of that where it is like almost it's almost zero light like it's almost yeah. fully black in a way that our minds have never really perceived because it's even like your eyes are trying eyes. to adjust to something that they've never had to adjust to before it was like I was trying to look at it it felt like my eyes kept trying to look at it and I was looking right at it but it was so dark <laughs> yeah. yes it's really it can be kind of unsettling can um, I tell you guys an embarrassing thing yes so I periodically look up Vanta Black because for some reason, every time I try to understand its composition, I forget. Like my brain is just like, no, I don't know what that means. So we're not going to remember. So I look it up. And the only way that I've been able to remember is to think of it as the Venom symbiote because it eats Spider-Man. I don't don't know, man. It's just like, that's the only way I can think of it because it's... It's similar, and honestly, even Venom is you. kind of shiny and does what Andrea yeah. was talking about, where he has like a white sheen to him. He's like slick looking. Oh, I love true. Venom. He's so good. That second movie. This has become so good. a Venom podcast. <laughs> Accidentally, this is also the Venom podcast. Uh, I've been trying to get him on. <laughs> he won't answer my calls. Uh, so when I was reading about it, Jensen sort of explained that the the way that the tubes are spaced apart when the light particle hits the material, it gets between the tubes and it gets absorbed by the tubes and converted into heat. So it's actually like physically absorbing the light molecules and transferring it into energy. Cause like light is energy, right? Like that's how the sun. Wait, so can this paint power cars? What's happening? (laughs) That's kind of what it sounds like they're trying to do with it, but it's not really, they haven't really figured out how to do anything with it. It's Uh original use. It was for, uh, it has a scientific and military use due to its like masking ability. They thought that it could potentially hide stealth aircrafts or block light from entering super powerful telescopes, enabling them to see stars that are further away. So that's sort of why it was invented. Yeah, it's like I'm into all of this shit. <laughs> it could be super cool. Yeah. Um but as soon as he read the article about the material, so this the article that I quote, I don't know if it's the exact article that Kapoor read, but it is an mm-hmm. article from The Guardian and Kapoor basically says he read an article about this material in 2014 contacted Surrey Nanosystems and offered to quote collaborate with them and <laughs> quote. And it's Which like, we like, already did it. 
we don't yeah. need your help. This is also some rich kid shit where it's like, it's oh, very I would love rich to help shit. you with this. And it's like, I'm done. Stop trying to put your <laughs> yes. name on this present. Like, oh, that's from both of us. Get the fuck out of here. I've definitely had people contact me and be like, would you want to like collaborate on a painting? It's like, okay, but I'm still the one making the painting. So what the fuck are you doing? Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, who collaborates what are you talking on a painting? About? Unless you're going to paint one half while I paint the other half. Yeah, it's kind of a pretentious approach. But in February of 2016, so we actually worked with them for two years trying to like oh, wow. figure out how to use the material and learn everything about it and whatever else. And in February of 2016, Kapoor secured exclusive rights to use Vanta Black in artwork and the art world got pissed. Uh-huh. Uh, Was the company Christian- pissed? Did the company like no. realize that that's what they were doing? So the company is the one that gave him those rights. So he okay. was working with them. He started working with them in 2014 and he bought rights. What I'm assuming happened is he was like, hey, I really like this material. I really believe in it. You are essentially a scientific startup mm-hmm. who has not yet created a product at the scale that you need it in order to make it profitable for your company. I will give you a large influx of cash so that you keep working on this thing that I believe in in right. order to secure exclusive rights. Right. That is what I feel happened. Mm-hmm. Um because as of right now, the material is still incredibly difficult to use. Um, like even to paint it, with? You can't paint with you it. You have to grow so, it onto the surface. Exactly. Wait, what? That's what yeah, the so Venom thing. First of all, it, it can't you know, be touched by human it hands. Could be like, I thought I saw it like in a lab being like not handled literally with someone's hand, but like mixed maybe? So in like some I kind of like centrifuge looking thing. I think you might have watched something about my guy that we're going to talk about. Ooh. Oh, my goodness. OK, yes, you're right. I'm going to stop talking. I know what <laughs> you're talking about now. So Vanta Black cannot be touched by human hands because it's so fragile because you'll break the nanotubes. They're essentially like hollow carbon tubes. And so it's kind of like that game you know the game where the dude has the mustache? Where you have like yeah, that pile of a bunch of woolly willies. Exactly. So in order to adhere nanotubes to the surface, you have to use a special reactor to align the nanotubes so that they're all vertical on the surface and adhere them to the surface using like a giant kiln. You have to like heat the material oh, And up. like what? Bake them on to whatever you want to be that color? Basically. It's a, it's a oh. bit like powder coating almost. Okay. So it's this really complex scientific service. And to this day, Kapoor has not made any works mm-hmm. with the material. <laughs> so he was supposed for to. For when he can. <laughs> yes. As he soon as dips. I figure this shit out, it's on. Like, <laughs> yeah. Kind of. So in 2020, he was supposed to unveil a new piece using the material at the Venice Biennale. But it was postponed for 2021, then postponed again. So to this day, Anish Kapoor has not released any pieces that use Vanta Black. I was at that However, Biennale. He stiffed me. Right? 
<laughs> I want my money back. Ain't I'm none kidding. of that shit. Ain't none of that shit. <laughs> so the art world, though, I would say that the outrage that Kapoor created in securing the rights to Vanta Black is probably the biggest impact he's made with the material. Mm. Yeah. And that is almost exclusively <laughs> the work of one artist slash color justice warrior named Stuart Semple. We love Stuart <laughs> Semple. We love him. <laughs> and that's where we'll pick up next week with Jordan's episode. <laughs> Yay! Tag team. This is like art history wrestling. Like on day of finish. And then she's tagging Jordan in. I'm so it's excited. Pretty great. It's pretty great. Can I read one? There's one quote. There's a. This is something that an artist said that I thought was really funny. Mm-hmm. There's an artist named Christian Fur who told the Daily Mail, quote, I've never heard of an artist monopolizing a material. All the best artists have had a thing for pure black. Turner, Manet, Goya. This black is like dynamite in the art world. We should be able to use it. It isn't mm. right that it belongs to just one man. Exactly. Um, and yeah, that I, I kind of feel that way, but also... I think that Anish Kapoor gets his comeuppance in the form of Stuart Semple. So I'm really <laughs> excited for Jordan's take on this next week. Yes. So yeah, Hell that's yeah. Anish Kapoor. And that's the drama. Yay. Thank you, Andrea. Sorry we interrupted the shit out of you. <laughs> no, it was great. It was totally great. I didn't want to... Honestly, I didn't want to talk too much about his actual work because I... He's kind of just a soft boy. Like, he just kind of goes on and on and doesn't really say anything. And it's like, whatever, bro. Even soft in, like, how hard he believes in it. It's like everything's <laughs> soft. It's like you could take or leave any of this. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. I, I also, I firmly believe that if another artist had access to the technology for Vanta Black, there would be artwork made with it. I think that Anish Kapoor mm. is just bad at art. I think, truthfully, (laughs) I think that the material is not as useful as he thinks it is. Mm. And I think that there are alternatives to Vanta Black that are way easier to use that he could use if he wasn't such a dickhead. But he sort of just decided, like, artistically that he was going to gatekeep this color. Yeah, and we'll get into why he's not allowed to use those yes. alternatives to Vanta yes. Black. I'm so excited about it. And I think it's fucking yeah. hilarious. Well, I feel like even when you said Andrea, when he kind of heard about it, that's kind of like, it sounds like he was just sitting at home being rich, read an article about something and was like, oh, I should buy that. Yeah. Like, yes. And just rung him up on the phone and yeah. was like, hey, give me in contact with that company. It was like, hey, before they even kind of realized what it was, it was like, yeah, let me just take all of this for when it is functional because like I just heard the words black is black and connected that to like the one constant I have, which is holes. And. <laughs> I don't know. It just seems even I mean, the way he came about, it seems kind of like vapid and William Randolph Hers- Hershish. Like, oh, I'm just going to buy. Let me just buy that thing. Can I buy this thing? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I do think that there is a thing where it's like the work itself is interesting only because it is such a feat. You know, mm. like it is something that is so inaccessible to the average artist. I would yes. say like unless you have a big pile of money, you are not creating 
a, a room that's a building you know what I yeah, mean like you're just right. you can't work at that scale without financial backing and a lot right. of financial privilege so yeah it's just an undeniable truth when you start looking at people who are like you're saying if part of the magnificence of it is just that it's such a grand scale then you're like yeah Absolutely. man I have dreams of huge stuff all the time I don't have 10 oh grand God. to put into epoxy or whatever <laughs> so I cannot tell you. I have a piece that I want to do for my solo show that opens April 9th in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yay, Follow me on Instagram nice if plug. you want to hear more about it. Um, <laughs> but I have a giant like sculptural installation that I'm doing. And it's like, am I, do I have money for this? <laughs> like even just to buy materials? Can I actually yep. do this? I don't even yes. know. Like, and it, then ship it'll be it super to cool. Milwaukee. Actually, the big part is going to be made in Milwaukee, okay. and there's a like attachments that I'll I'll make here. Um, but, but like I, everything I, that's you're saying why right I'm going now, to. Andrea, that's what makes me think of stuff. Is like, yeah, you have to have money, space, uh, logistics. Either know them yourself or know someone to help you to put something that large together. Yeah, I and have then, like a you said, either put it like, somewhere else, put it somewhere and be like, OK, well, half of it's here, half of it's there. How can I get yeah. this other piece of it there? Yep. All of that is like <laughs> tons of there's so many different yep. um, places that could go wrong or fall oh, out yeah. of budget for someone. Oh, yeah. And I have a feeling I might not be able to make it just due to budgetary concerns because your girl is unemployed, baby. Ah. But, but that doesn't mean we'll you see. can't make it ever. But like you're saying, if you're trying to be like, oh, work backwards from a date and be like, yeah, sorry, I don't have $50,000 to put into this by <laughs> the end of the quarter. So I'm going to have to hold off on this. Like the idea that you would even do different kinds of art and then. 10 years into your career get to do one piece the scale of what he was at like I don't even we Absolutely. didn't talk about ages but like how old he was when he even got to start making pieces that big is like yeah dude and also yeah, I mean, kind of lends itself to okay you were in prep school that was geared towards a direction that you ended up not taking because you hate numbers <laughs> and then everything else like all of the information you even have before then is like why'd you make this uh, I like art and I <laughs> that's kind of the depth of where I'm at with art right now but I already have the money and accessibility of an artist 10 years older than me so here's a cube with a clit on it <laughs> I think that I here's the thing I, I was talking to a friend about it and it's like he was he was like oh I don't know if I know Anish Kapoor is he like Jeff Koons? I was like, he's like a soy boy Jeff Koons. Like Jeff Koons yeah. is at least honest about the fact that he is capitalistic. Mm. Whereas Anish Kapoor pretends to be about a lot of other things that are not just capitalism and wealth and privilege. Got it. And so I think that is what is like kind of annoying to me is sort of the hypocrisy and like the artifice that there's like a really deep spiritual meaning to these things where it's essentially just a dude with a lot of money being like, I don't know. I thought this was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you feel like you would respect him more if he just broke the fourth wall and was like, yeah, dude, I've been fratting up the art scene my whole life and nobody said nothing. It's pretty <laughs> sick. <laughs> like, Honestly. Yeah. Kind of like, I wish he would just do that. Like I get that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just be honest, bro. But thank you for a, a wonderful episode. And I can't wait for Jordan to do part two next week. 
Dude, me too. I'm really excited for Stuart Semple. It's going to be um, fun. Thank you for so, taking yeah. the Anish Kapoor. Because as you could hear, I didn't even <laughs> have to research this topic. And my brain was like melting out of my nose. <laughs> Jordan Jordan did a preteen like irk scream and just said, I think he's wrong at one point. Like <laughs> Jordan will normally at least be able to like develop some kind of like, OK, I feel like I have this bias because of this or this is like setting me off because of this. She was like, you know what? I just think he's wrong. And I was like, OK, well. <laughs> you're not my real dad like, can't really argue energy. <laughs> jordan yeah really anish takes jordan to a really immature place with how much she does not like him oh, feeling wise it, he absolutely it, does i just cannot stay you couldn't see on camera but jordan at one point just held her breath until andrea stopped talking <laughs> about anish kapoor <laughs> she almost passed out <laughs> I do remember when we were talking because a, a listener in the Facebook group actually suggested, oh, hey, will you do Stuart Semple and Anish Kapoor? And Jordan like, and I were talking about it and she's like, I'll do Stuart Semple, but I don't want to fucking talk about Anish Kapoor. <laughs> and I was like, no, okay, I'll gosh, do that part. Yes. <laughs> Anish Kapoor. So <laughs> Jordan treats Anish Kapoor like the guy that dates your mom right after they break up. <laughs> oh my it's like, I'll write a report on Stuart Simple, but fuck Steve. Steve's a loser, oh and he drank the last of the orange juice. I don't like him. He's always walking around in his tidy whiteies. It's fucking exactly. gross, Mom. With his robe open? What the fuck, Steve? He calls it the void. I don't understand why. He calls it the void. No. Also, that's what I think the side of that cube is now. It's just like the open mouth of a pair of boxers. Like, womp, womp, womp. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh my. It's about duality of male and female. Yes. Yeah. Steve, is that why you're um, always drinking yeah, beer you... in the garage? <laughs> Fucking Steve. Fucking Steve, man. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> But yeah, if you, you um, want to listen to uh, the the second part of this episode, is here if Steve comes back, uh, <laughs> you can follow us at Pavangard, uh, P-O-D-V-A-N-T-G-A-R-D-E on Instagram and Twitter. And that is also the name of our Facebook group. And our Patreon. And if you uh, like me as an individual, uh, I am Katrina. You can follow me at Katrina Savad, which is uh, Katrina with a K S I V A D. It's just Davis backwards on all the things that you probably will be on to talk to people on. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Uh, if you guys want to send us. A sexy sculpture made out of tidy whities titled The Void. <laughs> you can send that in its physical form to our P.O. Box at 1001 Fremont Avenue, number 366, South Pasadena, California, 91030. Uh, and also, if you like me as a person... Andrea, Wait, I was did you to start talk giving about the Patreon, fake, Katrina? Uh... Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait. Jordan was about to give you fake lineups, too. Be like, actually, you can find Andrea's art in the um, Bro Gallery. Just like, mix it up. Um, Aww, but also, Google. 
<laughs> good call andrea no um if you uh also want to follow our patreon or donate at all there will be a link to it in the description of this episode hell yeah dude uh we just recorded a show about how our christmas was and spoiler alert <laughs> andrea fucks what's up <laughs> less great. of a spoiler bragging uh, on the podcast andrea <laughs> i just want to brag to someone because i'm not hanging out with anyone right now till i get my booster shot <laughs> Um, <laughs> that was your frat boy mentality to grab some initiative <laughs> and was like, oh, by the way, I totally fuck on the Patreon episode. Not on the episode, but you know what I mean. We'll get a lot more followers now. It's yeah, that'd the be void, the only bro. fans account. <laughs> yeah, we have, a, we have an extra called The Void. You, you're going to want to go ahead and listen to it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, if you like me as a human person and you want to see what I'm up to outside of this podcast, follow me on Instagram at Andrea Gazetta, uh, on Twitter at Sundress Comic, or I don't know. I have a Patreon. I have cute stickers. You can vote on them. You can also get like originals and behind the scenes tutorials on how I make art at patreon.com slash Andrea Gazetta. I don't know. Check it out. We love that. Yay. Um, I and think wait you go Jordan yeah I make fucked up art about bleeding hands and too many eyeballs <laughs> that someone commented I feel very seen on today which uh, I was like cool I'm glad hell yeah dude uh, I get it eyeball uh-uh. scene <laughs> oh also Jordan check the Facebook group because people are sending you art there it's really cute oh shit yeah I'm sorry guys I keep forgetting that I have a Facebook uh, I bought a scroll saw <laughs> off of Facebook Marketplace and then never went back. Um, but yeah, you can check out the earrings that I make and the weird po- portraits that I do at Goonie Bird Crafts. Uh, you can see pictures of Keith Carey and sometimes my parents at uh, the Goonie Bird. Uh, Hell yeah, dude. I don't know why I went super surfer on that one, but like, if you want to check it out at the Goonie Bird. Uh, yeah, love you guys. Yeah, great. let's get those gnarly parent pics. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Oh, fucking sick. <laughs> it's like totally Thanks awesome, for closing dude. us out, Point Break. <laughs> <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> Thank you all so much for joining us for another episode of Pavant Guard. Um, this has been another fantastic afternoon, and uh, we love you. <laughs> we love you so much. Bye, Bye guys. Bye. Hey everybody, Andrea here. I forgot to add sources in this episode, so I'm just going to run through those real real quick. First of all, our main source uh, was Wikipedia, and I used the articles on Anish Kapoor, the Dune School, D-O-O-N, and Kibbutz, that's spelled K-I-B-B-U-T-Z. There's an interview that I listened to called Anish Kapoor on India, Israel, Life in the UK, and of course, Art, Art, and Art on DMTV's Another Now that was recorded on the 15th of June, 2020. There's an article called You Could Disappear Into It, Anish Kapoor on his exclusive rights to the blackest black, The Guardian, Bridget Delaney, September 25th, 2016. There was, of course, Anish Kapoor's website himself, anishkapoor.com. There's 
Tarantara, which is a Google Arts and Culture um, uh, find. There is an article called Jewish Nobel Cancels Award Ceremony at Request of Recipient Anish Kapoor Over the Plight of Syrians, May 4th, 2017 at 4.20 p.m. Sorry, it's funny. Uh, Anish Kapoor has gifted a PR victory to the state of Israel is a Guardian article that was again in 2017. There's an article uh, on the Genesis Prize website. If you go to their recipient, Anish Kapoor, it sort of talks about his statement as per the Genesis Prize. Um, there is an article called Anish Kapoor Condemns Abhorrent Refugee Policies as He Wins Genesis Prize. That's from The Guardian, uh, February 5th, 2017. There is an article called Anish Kapoor to Reveal First Vanta Black Artwork at Venice Biennale 2021. That is uh, through dezine.com, D-E-Z-E-E-N. Another dezine.com article, Man Injured in Anish Kapoor Art Accident at Saravales Museum. Uh, Times of India article, I wouldn't have given up my Indian nationality, but I had to be practical, Anish Kapoor. Uh, there's an artnewspaper.com article, Anish Kapoor rejects China show in support of Ai Weiwei. There's an artnet.com article, you must see Anish Kapoor's perpetual black whirlpool at Kochi Muziri's Biennale. It's amazing. That is from 2015. There's a tape.org uh, website entry. It's the title of the art piece that the Tate is explaining is called As If to Celebrate, I Discovered a Mountain Blooming with Red Flowers, 1981. Um, and they own some of his work, which is why they have a page for him. And the last, of course, is a Guardian article called Vanta Black Nanofabric, The New Black to End All New Blacks. Those are the sources. Thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, we love you. Bye. Hey guys, Andrea here. Um, I'm asking for your help a little bit today because Jordan, Katrina, and I are all comedians and artists who don't have any experience editing sound. And because this is a sound-based medium, we have asked an editor to help us with our episodes. Um, we had a few issues early on with some of the early recordings, and we're working on getting those sorted out. Um, and... Part of that is just having an audio engineer. So in order to be able to actually pay him and pay him a fair rate, uh, we're asking for your help. We've set up a Patreon, patreon.com slash podvantgard. And our goal is that we can pay him not from our own pockets, but from the resources of the show itself, which means we need your help. Um, we're also planning on starting to release bonus episodes. We'll start with one a month. Um, and as that Patreon rate increases, we'd like to eventually expand that to a bonus episode every week. And the bonus episodes will be more, um, a little bit more loose fit. We'll be covering art, uh, like current events and weird things that happen because there's a lot of like weird stuff going on in the art world right now, um, especially around NFTs, especially around AI. And I think it's really interesting and worth talking about, but we just 
need to be able to pay someone to edit that bonus content. Um, I would also say that in terms of the time cost, you know, Katrina, Jordan, and I all are supporting ourselves outside of this show. This show takes a lot of time. I'm probably spending at least three days a week with every episode just researching. We're buying books. Um, Katrina's editing the time codes. She's building our website. She's doing all our social media. Jordan is also researching her own episodes. And my goal for the Patreon is just that it can become something that, you know, we're not looking to get rich. I don't think that's ever been our goal. I don't think we ever think that could be our goal. But what I'd like to be able to happen eventually is that the Patreon can become a way for us to just pay ourselves a living wage for the time that we invest into this show. My experience uh, with Cult Podcast um, is that it's really hard to make a show every single week and not have other financial resources. So what I want is that this Patreon can eventually become a financial resource for us. It can help us support ourselves and it can help us to continue putting the show out so that we don't get burnt out and want to pull our hair out. Um, we love you so much and we think that the show is really important. I personally think that we need more podcasts that cover history and art history from a feminist, anti-colonial queer perspective and that's where we're coming from as artists and as art historians and comedians we love you we love this show thank you so much for supporting it that's again at patreon.com slash and thanks guys